Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. All right, so we're in the, the third week of our Revive series, and our focus this month has been on waking up and being intentional about our walk with Jesus. Some of us have been just going through the motions far too long. Especially if you grew up in the church, it's easy to kind of have your ups and downs in regards to your faith, in regards to your relationship with Jesus. Times where you're like, man, I'm on fire. I'm really excited about what's happening. And then times where you're like, I don't really know. I'm just kind of going. I'm just kind of doing life. I'm just kind of, I'm showing up to church, I guess. I'm just doing the things that I'm supposed to do. But there isn't that fire. There isn't that passion involved in it. So the first week we talked about how the temptation is to focus on me first, to focus on taking care of myself. If I take care of myself and do everything for me, 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 and and then when I'm comfortable, then later I'll focus on my relationship with God. But i got to make sure that I've got all that I need, that I'm comfortable, that everything's smooth sailing. That was what we talked about the first week. Last week, we talked about the need to simply wake up, to, to, to not let opportunity and life pass us by. And I feel like when we're younger, we don't really do that. But the older that we get, we're just kind of like, well, but I just know what I know, and I do what I do, and I, I'm just going to stay in my lane And the opportunity can pass us by, and we we can miss out on things. And we need to wake up. We need to get moving. We need to stop letting our life waste away. So today, we're going to continue that conversation by talking about a good, old-fashioned, old-school revival, right? I I don't know what you think of when you hear the word revival, but when I think of the word revival, I think of like Billy Graham preaching in the South, in a suit and tie, in the dead heat of summer, under a tent, while thousands of people are being saved. I don't know if that's what you... Here's a picture for you of a Billy Graham revival in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't even know when this was, but it looks like a really long time ago, right? And then there's, there's another picture here of Billy Graham preaching inside, right? This is like an old school revival to me. Thousands of people, and if you don't know who Billy Graham is, he, he's no longer, no longer living, but he's probably the greatest evangelist of our era. He's not even in our era anymore, but of the 1900s. And uh, actually, he's preached the gospel to more people than anybody in the history of the world um, because of technology and all those sort of things. But he's, he's done a lot of stuff. And when I hear the word revival, this is kind of what I think of. It's like, okay, let's get out in the heat suit and tie, all that sort of stuff. And I also grew up in the 90s. So growing up in the 90s, it's kind of a weird time. How many of you would would consider yourself a 90s kid? If you don't want to embarrass yourself, that's okay too. But yeah, I'm a 90s kid, okay? And uh, in the 90s, I remember spending every summer going to camp, going to like church camp, Christian camp. And I didn't grow up in the church of Nazarene. I grew up in in, uh, the Assembly of God church, or actually Church of God. And I'm uh, sorry, Church of God, not Assembly of God. And so I grew up in a, different, in a different denomination, and there was a summer camp every year that my parents would send us to. And it was really strange. I don't know if you've ever had experiences at like a weird 
church, summer camp, or anything like that. Uh, but it was really weird because I was in elementary school. My brother's there, friends are there. And like by the end of the week, Friday, you're there Monday through Friday, and then by Friday night, there was always a banquet. And there was this weird expectation. I don't think it was from the adults, but there was this weird expectation to have a date to the banquet. And I'm like third grade, second grade, right? So all week, now picture this. You show up to camp Monday, and you're like, I've got to get to work because I need a date by Friday. And I'm in second or third grade. So there's this weird expectation. And it's like, if you didn't get a date by Friday, then you're just stuck sitting with the other boys who didn't get a date. And you're like, oh, gosh, this is embarrassing. Everybody's looking at me. And there's this weird expectation. But beyond that, beyond that, um, and I think that I share that because in the Christian world, this expectation never goes away. If you're like an adult who is single, you know what I'm talking about. This expectation never goes away. It's like every time you're at church, they're like, haven't you met a good man yet? Haven't you met like a good God-fearing woman yet? And you're like, can you just leave me alone, Grandma? I just want to, I'm just going through life. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, right? So there's, there's still this weird expectation of like, if you go, if you're, and I went to Bible college. It's called bridal college is what it's called because every time... It's like you go and you get married by the age of like 18, 19 years old. Weird expectations, which are not healthy. But anyways, the other thing that was weird about this camp was by the end of the week, there was, separate from the banquet, the weird second-graded romantic banquet, but but separate from that, there was always a service that was like the culmination of the week, right? And it was meant to be a time for a Christian camp to have all these children be saved. And I understand the thought process behind it. And I do believe that children can be saved at a young age. But it was strange. And if you grew up in the 90s, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, I remember standing in a circle where it was like forced revival on these third graders in the middle of this cafeteria of this campground. Forced revival of like, we could not really leave until we had some sort of moment with Jesus in the eyes of the adults that were leading us, which we're, this is not really a great thing, right? This is, this is kind of messed up, but this is what I experienced, and um, I remember standing in the circle with my friends and being like, I just want to go and eat some Skittles right now, and I can't get out of this, and the only way out of it is if I speak in tongues. So I guess I'm going to speak in tongues. As a second grader, this is crazy. This is crazy. But that was kind of the age that you grew up in. And it's created a lot of traumatic experiences for people who grew up who are about my age now. And there's this whole evangelical movement and people have left the church. And this, it's created some real issues, right? But like when I think of revival, that's kind of what I think of. And it makes me uncomfortable. Like I don't like it. Because I go, I think back to that time and I'm like, this, that was weird, wasn't it? At the time, I didn't know. I was just doing life. And maybe you've had a weird church experience in your life where you're like, huh, that's kind of strange. And um, it's an unfortunate thing that happens. But when I think of revival, that's immediately where I go to. 
And I hope that you didn't necessarily have an experience like that, but if you did, I want to let you know that that isn't what revival is supposed to be. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not what it should look like. But what I learned is you can't force revival on people. You can't force it, no matter how badly you want to force it on somebody else. I think a good definition of revival is this, to recover or return from a state of neglect, to recover or return. You've ignored something, you've neglected something, maybe it's your, your relationship with Jesus, and you've ignored it for so long that it's basically dead at this point, and you need a revival. You need to wake up, like we've been talking about all month. And many people would say that our world is in desperate need of revival. Maybe you would say that your faith is in desperate need of revival. See, I, I've been the lead pastor at City on a Hill for coming up on seven years now. I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years prior to being at City on a Hill. So it's my job to participate in the church. Like, I get paid to do this. So I understand that, like, it's a different dynamic in my position and everybody else's position. But in my, in my 17 plus years of ministry at this point, I've discovered something that is not really surprising to you, I'm sure, and it's not surprising to me, is that participating in church is not everybody's top priority. Like, it's not at the top of the list for most people of saying, like, oh, I want to participate in church. Maybe it is for you. Praise God. It should be. It should be. But the reality is, from what I've discovered, is church is not necessarily at the top of the list of a majority of people. Now, it doesn't mean that people think that the church is a waste of time. Some people do, but not everybody. But it does mean that there are just other things that come before church. Other things that just come before, and I think church is a bad way to put it too. Things that come before your faith. That come before your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because church will always be here, right? Like church is always, if, whether sitting on a hill is here or not, you could just drive down the road and drive past 20 churches on your way home, right? Like church is always going to be here. But how many nice days do I get in February? Like it was 60 this, this week. It was, it was almost 70 degrees. And if that lands on a Sunday, I'm anticipating that attendance is probably not going to be the greatest that week. Why? Because how many nice days do we get in February? Not much. Church is always going to be there, but I'm not going to have a nice day in February all the time. Church is going to be there, but how many three-day weekends are there in a year? It's President's Day tomorrow, right? How many three-day weekends are there in a year? And please hear me out. I am not trying to guilt anybody. This is all for a purpose, so just stick with me. If you feel yourself getting mad at me right now, just pump the brakes a little bit, okay? But anyways, or, or when it comes to church, like church is always going to be there. But my, kid, my kids got baseball. My kids got soccer. Church is always going to be there, so I'm going to go and do this, and then, and then I'll find my way. I'll, then eventually I, I will make it there. Or maybe you go to church every Sunday. Maybe you attend a community group on Tuesday. Maybe you read your Bible daily, but you dread doing all of the above, and it's work. And you're like, I, I don't want to feel like this is work. I just want to want to do this, but I don't want to do this. I'm dreading it. So let me be clear again. My goal today is not to guilt you into speaking in tongues before you leave, okay? At church camp or anything like that. It's, that's not what I'm trying to do. But the question that we're asking is this. How important is your relationship with Jesus to you? 
And it's only a question that you can answer. How important is it to you? Where, where does it fall on the priority list for you? And it's a simple question that we have to ask ourselves. Where does it fall? Is following Jesus an obligation or is following Jesus a privilege? And I know the answer that you'll give me because you know the right answer, but you really know what's true. And your actions truly say what is most important to you. Where, where does it fall for you? Do you need to return from a state of neglect? Do you need to recover your faith that at one time was great? Or maybe you've never, never had strong faith in Jesus. Have you been selling Jesus short in your life? So sometimes we need a reminder of who, we, of who he actually is. So we're going to look at a passage from Psalm chapter 89, verses 8 through 18. And if you've never read the book of Psalms, it's a it's big book in the Bible. It's the biggest book in the Bible. And it's, it's made up, it's a collection of poetry, of songs, of writings. It's not like a chronological story. It's like different songs and poems and artistic things taken from different times. From, a lot of it's written from David, but it's not just David. It's other people in the Bible as well. So here's what Psalm 89 verses 8 through 18 says. It says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. You crush, the, you crush the great sea monster. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south. Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon praise your name. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Righteousness and justice are, are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exalt in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord, and he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. So when we read this, and we think about our relationship with Jesus, and you think about your relationship with Jesus, and if you consider it a something that you have to do, I have to go to church tomorrow or today, I have to read my Bible, I have to volunteer in kids' ministry, I have to go to community group, I have to tithe. If we look at our relationship with Jesus that way, then we need to kind of rethink things. Really what we need to do is remind ourselves of who we are actually following. Remember who it is that you're actually following. Remember who it is that you're actually worshiping. Oh Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O oh Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. See, if, if your relationship with Jesus is not at the top of your priority list, then what it means is you are selling God short. You're selling God short in your life. And it would make me wonder if we actually know who Jesus is. It would make me question, do we actually understand who it is that we're talking about? 
Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, the Savior of the world. I mean, we're talking about the creator of everything, the earth, you, me, everything that you see. We're talking about the creator of it all. Who is like him? Who is like God? Nobody, nothing, anything that you find in this world may fool you for a period of time. It may, it may fool you to think, well, this is what I should be investing my all in. This, this deserves everything of me. Money, sex, stuff, status, popularity. This, this is what I should be investing my all in because this is what is most important. And if that is what we think, then we don't truly understand who God actually is because anything compared to the creator of the universe pales in comparison and it doesn't even it's not even a question it's it's there is nothing that is even close to who he is and when we grasp that when we understand there's nothing greater than god then it changes our perspective there's a famous sermon by by a man named s.m lockridge who was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in, in San Diego from 1953 to 1993. He, he preached all over the world. And um, uh, he, 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 he had a good relationship with Martin Luther King Jr. He, he was involved in a lot of different things, but he has this really famous sermon that's called That's My King. I don't, you, you probably have heard clips from it that you didn't know that this, that, that, that's who it, that, that, that was what it was. But in this sermon, he describes who Jesus is. He describes who God is, and it puts things into perspective. Every time I hear it where it's like, man, this this picture of the creator of the universe is greater than anything that I could ever imagine. So I want to show you a clip um, from from that sermon called That's My King from S.M. Lockridge, And and I want you to just listen to the words and hear about what he's saying and try to get to a place where we can understand. The God that we serve is greater than anything we could ever imagine. Watch this. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all 
sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? to describe how great he is is impossible. To, to try to understand the God that we actually serve, we can't fully do it. It's beyond our comprehension. And yet, we choose baseball over him, right? And yet, we choose fishing over him. And yet, we choose anything else that we can find over him. And again, this is not meant to make you feel guilty. It's meant to make you, and you can still do all those things. I love baseball, right? Like, I, you can still partake in those things. The question is, what is more important to you? Where, where does God fall on the priorities list? Because if he's not at the top, then you don't know who he actually is. If he is in the foundation of everything, then you don't understand the Savior that we're talking about. Because if you did, nothing would come before him. Nothing. Everything else is worthless in comparison to him. Doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that, that you can't partake. I'm just saying the only thing that is worth all of you, the only thing in this world that is worth all of you is Jesus Christ. And everything else means that you're selling him short and you're selling yourself short. Because God created you, has a purpose for you, 
that is greater than anything else that this world can offer you. And when we constantly pursue everything else, we are selling ourselves short. We, we, we aren't recognizing the value that you have and who you are. I mean, the Savior of the world came, died, because he cares about you. You. And yet, we're like, if I have time, if, I, if I'm not too tired, maybe I'll see you at church. If, I, if, I, if, I'm not, if I didn't have a bad day at work, maybe, maybe I'll spend some time with God when I get home. But if I did have a bad day, I got to get home and pop open a bottle of wine and watch my shows. That's how I got to unwind. Well, if, if, if everything goes according to plan, then God, sure, then I'll fit you in. Then, then I'll make some time for you. No, we've got it all backwards. And sometimes, in order to experience revival, we need to change our, out, our, our outlook. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Worshiping Jesus is not an obligation. It is a privilege to worship the creator of the universe. A privilege. And if you look at it as, I have to do this so I don't go to hell. I have to do this so my spouse stops yelling at me to get to church. I have to do this because of whatever reason. Then you just stay home. Just stay home. Because your priorities are not in the right place. And, and then this does become a waste of your time. If, if you look at everything in regards to your relationship with Jesus as an obligation, then you don't understand who it is you're worshiping. It is a privilege to be able to speak to the King of Kings. It is a privilege to be able to have a relationship, a close, intimate relationship with the one who created it all. It is a privilege to be able to come into his house with other people who are also his children to worship the one who is above it all. It is a privilege to be able to serve in kids' ministry, to be able to, to work on the worship team, to be able to be at the doors greeting. It is a privilege to do all of those things. It is not an obligation. And if it is an obligation for you to do those things, then you need to step down and get your priorities straight. There's no way around it. Everything with Jesus is a privilege. And as a pastor, there are so many times where I look at things and I'm like, okay, I need help. I need help. I can't do this by myself, right? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to step on toes. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to offend anybody. I, I don't want to push somebody too hard where then they're just going to be like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, th those are always thoughts that come into my mind. And recently, over the last few years, God has just been working on me and saying, you know what? Stop apologizing for getting people to worship me. Stop saying, hey, if you got time, can you come and help? Hey, if it's not too much, I, I don't, but if you're busy, it's okay. No, that, and if I'm doing that for you, I, it's a disservice for you because now I am not helping you to understand the privilege that we have to serve the creator of the universe. I'm doing you a disservice if I apologize. This is not an obligation. This is everything.
opportunity that we have that we get to come into this place and do the things that we do where people have literally died to do this? Are you kidding me? And it's an obligation. People have sacrificed their lives to do this right now. People have given everything just to hold a Bible. And for us, we're like, well, we'll see tomorrow. It's, and I, this is me too, as your pastor. I feel this. There are times where this is an obligation for me. So I don't want you to think that, I, that, that I'm just yelling at you up here. It's, I'm in the same boat at times. And what we need is a revival of our faith, of our heart, of our attitude, of everything. Don't sell God short. Don't sell yourself short. Stop and think about who it is that you're actually following. Realize that you are in a relationship with the King of Kings and, and, and then allow him to work in your life because it is the greatest life that you will ever experience. Not the easiest, the greatest. Don't waste what we have. See, right now, there's something that's really cool that's happening in our country, down in Kentucky. I don't know if you've, I'm sure many of you have heard about it, but down at Asbury College in, uh, in, in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a little Christian college in, in Kentucky that is experiencing a revival of the Holy Spirit right now as we speak. On the morning of February 8th, Asbury had a normal chapel service. So I, I, I went to, obviously, Bible college, and if you went to a Christian college, and you know what this is like, if you didn't go to a Christian college, and you're like, this, that's kind of weird, but if you go to a Christian college, they have chapel during the week, oftentimes multiple times during the week, and you have to go as a student. You have to get X amount of chapel services throughout the semester, and if you don't, then you have to like pay a fine or something, whatever happens, and it's really frustrating. But um, either way, they had a chapel service at Asbury on the morning of February 8th, and it's college students. It's kids. I call them kids because I'm older now, but like it's kids, <laughs> and they show up for chapel service, normal service, and the president said there was nothing remarkable about the service. It wasn't like they had Francis Chan come in and speak, right? It wasn't like Billy Graham was resurrected from the dead and then he came and gave the greatest sermon you ever heard. It was an unremarkable chapel service according to the president of the college. Chapel ends, people start to disperse, and uh, a few college students stayed behind because they weren't done worshiping Jesus. So they kept worshiping Jesus. They started to pray, started to read scripture, they started to sing, and it hasn't stopped since. Today is February 19th. They're still going. It's been 24 hours a day. College students. So it started with a small group of kids, and then all of a sudden people were like, what's going on there? And then more people started to come in. And more people started to come in. More people started to come in. More people started to come in. And now it's at the point where people are traveling from around the world to get to Kentucky right now to be a part of a revival, a spiritual revival that is happening with our young people. That was led by our young people. 
Is there anything greater? And, and there, what I love about that we were talking about this morning, the next generation, college students, have decided to do this. They are so in love with Jesus that they simply don't want to stop worshiping him. They're so in love with him that nothing else matters. And when, these, when this sort of stuff happens, especially in 2023, in the age of social media, and, and word starts to spread, and it's going all over the place, right? And uh, um, as word started to spread, people wanted to also participate, which is great. Uh, but the danger with that is you can get people with agendas involved. And so some people started to contact the college and, and like, big, famous Christian people started to contact the college and say, hey, would you like us to come and lead worship for you? Would you like me to come and, and preach for you? Whatever it is. And the response from the school has been, you can come and participate, but the kids got it. And the kids are leading. And they haven't stopped. That is the heart that the church needs to have. where nothing else matters but him. Nothing. It's everything. Everything compared to Jesus is nothing. But through Jesus, everything then has meaning. And that's why, that's why these other things aren't necessarily bad. But we don't know the true meaning of everything that is in this world until we understand the relationship with Jesus Christ where we put everything on the line for him. And then when we find life in Jesus, meaning is found in every other aspect of your life after that. If you're going through life and you're like, well, this is all meaningless. What am I even doing? I'm just waking up, going to work every day. I'm going to school every day. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I come home. I eat, I eat the same meal. I do the same things. And you're just going through the motions of life and life feels like it's meaningless. With Jesus, nothing is meaningless. Because with Jesus, there is purpose. With Jesus, there is life. With Jesus, there is hope. With Jesus, there is love. In everything. And that's when something as simple as a few college kids wanting to sing some more songs to Jesus turns into a revival. Because when the Holy Spirit is involved, amazing things happen. When was the last time you felt that way about Jesus? When was the last time where you said, you know what? Everything else is great, but it's not Jesus. You know, we live, in a, we live in a world, especially in this part of the world, where it's like, okay, I want to know what I'm getting into, how long it's going to be, what to expect, is it going to be comfortable, who am I going to have to talk to? We got to get all these details lined up before we commit to anything, right? And, and what we try to do when it comes to church, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, is we put God in this box and we say, God, as long as you work within the confines of this little box, that I've set the boundaries for, then you can work in my life. See, God doesn't have boundaries. We can't, we can't contain him. We can't get to a place where we just say, if God, you meet these expectations, 
then you can work. No, no, no. It's either you're committed to Jesus or you're not. There's not an in-between here. It's either Jesus is important to you or he's not. And only you know the answer of that in your life. And only you can change it in your life. Only you. It's time for us to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, okay, I need a change in my life and I want to lay it all down for Jesus and just allow him to work. That, my friends, is a revival. Stop neglecting what is valuable and start pursuing what is important. Leave behind the things that don't help you. Leave behind the things that are bringing you down and start pursuing the only thing that can put you in the right state of mind. Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we, as we close. And it's a simple question. Is Jesus important to you? It's a simple question. Is, is he the most important thing in your life? And if he is, then it changes the way you go about life. If he is not, then you're going to continue to live life the way that you see as comfortable. Which in the end makes things uncomfortable. There's no way about it. Lay everything at the throne of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, because he is the king who deserves it all. He is the one who, who sacrificed it all for us. And it is my privilege to be in a relationship with him. It is my privilege to sing songs to him. It is my privilege to love other people the way that he loved me. All of it is my privilege. Why? Because all of it makes my life better. Better in every way, shape, and form. But when I do live for myself, Matt says this all the time, anything in my life that isn't good, anything in my life that is bad, anything in my life that falls apart comes from me. That's what, it comes from me alone. Doesn't come from him. Pursue him with all that you've got. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you don't know him, if you need to get back in touch with him, if you need to get some things straight in your life, it starts right here, right now. It starts with you simply praying to him, talking to him, saying, Jesus, you know what? What I'm doing isn't working. I need you. May, may I prioritize you in my life in a way that changes my life. And what that looks like, prioritizing him, what that looks like is to having time just between you and God. First and foremost, if you're not spending time with God outside of this place by yourself, then, then he's not your top priority. He's not. Spending time with him. Spending time with other believers. With other people who help you get closer to Jesus. To understand him more. Loving people the way that Jesus loved you. And serving people the way Jesus served you. If you really want to get serious about who Jesus is in your life, that's where it starts. 
And I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to take work. But a little work is good for us. And it's going to take an active decision daily. The Bible says pick up your cross daily and follow him. Die to yourself daily and follow him. This is not a one-time thing. This is an everyday decision to continue to follow him. Don't let anything hold you back. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing.